0: Leviticus chapter 6, as you're turning there, I want to give you the background just so that we can uh, move along with, with, some, uh, with some haste here in a moment. Leviticus chapter 1 tells us the importance of the burnt offering. You may remember during fall revival, Brother A.J. Holloway ministered to us during that revival about this topic. The burnt offering was offered in order to find acceptance into the presence of the Lord. It was an offering that was made for atonement. Blood sacrifice was offered for something innocent in the place of something guilty. That's what happened at the burnt offering. There was an altar where that would be conducted at, and it was something that happened in the Old Testament tabernacle and the Old Testament temple. You can study it out if you were here on Wednesday night and you're looking for something to study out in a little more detail. The tabernacle is a fascinating and powerful study. Leviticus chapter 6 gives us some insight about some of the things that would actually take place at the burnt offering and the altar. Leviticus chapter 6 verse 8 in the New King James Version says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment. They would wear linen garments to conduct and perform their priestly duties. He shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers shall he put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. Place. Verse 12, and the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always, everybody say always. always. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go I want to minister from that text in your hearing tonight about the fire The fire, you may be seated You may have noticed and you may have your Bible still open to Leviticus chapter 6 Five times Five times That's the amount of times within a span of ten verses That that command is repeated That the fire on the altar of the burnt offering would never go out The fire of the altar of burnt offering had to be kept burning 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And the Lord commanded Aaron and his sons that the fire on that altar should never, ever go out. The fire had to be kept burning because it was God's fire. God provided the fire. You need to understand that tonight. This wasn't just any fire that was manufactured by people. This was fire that God had delivered to them in this sacred and holy place. Leviticus chapter 9 tells us that it is exactly the way it happened. Leviticus 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 23. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared... To all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. This was God's fire. God provided the fire. And so we must protect the fire and keep it burning. Can I be clear this Sunday night? It's just us. We can't come along and rekindle the fire one or two days a week and have the same fire that God provided. God's fire is a a seven-day-a-week fire. God's fire is 24-7, 365. It's not just a one- or two-day-a-week fire. You understand in the Old Testament, some of you will know, there was a couple fellas that got in trouble for using strange fire, which is to say they were using fire and introducing fire that wasn't, that didn't originate. With God's fire, God gave the command five times in just ten verses that this fire was to be kept burning all the time. Why? Because it was His fire. It was His fire that had come from heaven to consume the sacrifice on the altar of the burnt offering. We can't just come in and try to manufacture fire and claim that it is the same thing that God has provided to us. It is a fire that must be kindled and kept all the time. Let me talk about how that happens for a minute. In particular, let me draw your attention to the topic of holiness. The priest was always clothed in white linen while performing his priestly job description. And that white linen was symbolic of his purity And holy living tells us that those who would keep the fire must pursue holiness in their lifestyle. That means our actions, our words, our apparel, our relationships, every dimension of our life. God is calling us to a purity, to a holiness, a separation from the things. They wore white linen clothes. When they were dealing with the fire. When they were keeping the fire burning. Hear me. The reason it had to be linen. This is just for free tonight. It couldn't be wool. Because they weren't allowed to wear garments that would cause them to perspire or sweat. Because when they were performing these tasks. They were supposed to be completely clean and pure during the entire ordeal. And clothes. Now you probably I don't think any of us go home and wear any symbolic uniform like the priests did in the Old Testament, but you can be sure of this today, that we, like they, are still called to portray things of practical holiness to the Lord. We were ministering in First Peter for a while, and what does First Peter tell us? That we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. The New Testament has done away with any kind of clergy classification where there's only a select group of people that approach the presence of God and get to enjoy His manifest presence. No longer is it that way anymore. But now we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God has chosen us and called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And as a result of that, that ritual holiness that was required of the priests has been passed along to each and every one of us. We are the keepers of the fire. The fire must be kept burning all of the time. And those who would be keepers of the fire, those who would interact with the fire and the presence of God and the holiness of God, we must, we ourselves must be holy in every dimension of our life. And the priest would dress that way. And it was getting hot and sweating and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't just functional, though. It was also symbolic because there was something different about being in the presence of the Lord. We've been in, we're in the presence of the Lord tonight. Services like happen here at Bluff City do not happen on accident. But it happens because there is a priesthood of believers all across this auditorium that says, I'm going to pursue holiness in my lifestyle. I'm not going to live like the world's going to live. I'm going to be separate from some of those things. I'm going to make practical efforts to talk different, to present myself different, to live different, to treat people differently. And when we do that, there's a fire that is kept kindled in our midst. Oh, I want the fire. I want the fire. I want the fire of God. I'm not content to go through the motions. I'm not content to offer some kind of strange fire that's manufactured from another location. I'm not interested in emotionalism or presentation or production. I want the real fire of the Holy Ghost. May seem like a small detail, but I want to draw your attention before I move on to something that's in verse 13 of Leviticus chapter 6 in those days the pagan nations around Israel many of their customs they worshiped their false gods and many of their worship practices to these false gods were obscene sensual sexual even they were it was not good it was it was it was bad you didn't want to be around it it was it was not good at all not rated g In verse 10 of Leviticus chapter 6, it says, in the morning, after the priest on duty has put on his official linen clothing and the linen undergarments, there would be some, the the King James Version says that it was it was breeches. The New King James Version says it was trousers. There was was something that would go underneath of the robes. There was there was an undercovering that they would put on when they were performing these particular. Job description, and it was, I I haven't looked into it enough to know exactly what took place whenever they were in that altar, and they were scooping out the ashes, and they were trying to clean everything up and do what is described here in Leviticus chapter 6, but apparently there was some chance that in performing these tasks, they could somehow become immodest and reveal themselves. And I'm here to tell you that this stands in contrast to what elders in the ancient world used to do when they would worship their false gods. Because when they would conduct their worship of their pagan false gods, they would do all those obscene, sensual, sexual things. And in essence, what it was is it would become about them. And they would reveal themselves and it would be awful. But God is saying, when you worship me and you keep the fire burning, this isn't about you. You're going to cover yourself up. You're going to be completely covered up because there needs to be no chance that any of the attention of this exercise gets drawn to you. This is all about me, God says. This is about my fire. You didn't manufacture this fire. This is my fire. This isn't your plan. This is my plan, God says. And there's, I'm not going to share my attention or my glory with anybody else. And so he prescribes this minor detail of them in this instance to wear something even underneath their official uniform so that there would be no attention drawn away, no possibility of any of that taking place. I looked in several other places and multiple people commented and said that this also needs to signify to us the fact that it would cover every part of their flesh. There would literally be no part of their flesh that was uncovered. I'm not here to prescribe to you and tell you that we need to wear things that go to our fingertips and drag the ground. That's not the point. The point is this. God and his fire does not tolerate flesh. Flesh and fire can't mix. I'm not saying that your physical body is inappropriate in any way. God, give us physical bodies. But I'm saying that our flesh, this is symbolic of our flesh, our brokenness, and our sinful nature. And our sinful nature cannot exist in the presence of God. The fire will not tolerate the flesh. And so they had to cover it all, and it's symbolic for us. And it should tell us something about the way that we ought to live our lives if we're going to keep the fire Burning. The fire must be kept burning. The fire must be kept burning. Because it's God's fire. And hear me. The fire has to be kept burning. Because atonement is always necessary. Verse 13 says a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never Go out, because atonement is always necessary. In verse 13, there's a word there, and I'm not a scholar of the ancient languages, but I did some looking, and there's a word here, it's called tamid. T-A-M-I-D is the transliterated version into English. And it was used as a verb, and it's the verb that's talking about the process of them always keeping the fire. Always, always. They, it, was, it, 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 it speaks to the perpetual nature of what had to take place. It was something, Brother Walker, that was continual. It was ongoing. It was all the time. And that word, to meet, is that it's the first time that it's used in the whole Bible. It's never been used in, gen- in Genesis or Exodus or elsewhere in Leviticus until this point. This is the first time that it's used. And it started off as a verb, but as time went on, and they started to conduct this practice and protect the fire and keep it burning. It turned into being a noun. They started to use it as a noun and they would call it to meet and it was the process that they would use to keep the fire burning 24-7, 365. It would be used as that because it would describe the repetitive, and we don't like it, we don't like this word sometimes, but the repetitive ritual nature of what had to happen every day. There was a maintenance that had to happen, there was a process that had to take place, and it wasn't something that man had conjured up, it was something that had been prescribed and directed by God Himself. And it started collectively to start to be called the Tamid, and it was something that the people, the priests and the priesthood of believers, it was something that the people had to do repeatedly ritually and constantly and it tells us this that when we become keepers of the fire there is it is a pattern with no end it means that it becomes a part of our life with no end in sight It's not a a one-day-a-week thing. It's not a a two-day-a-week thing. It's not something that we do when we get on fire for God and we just get a little burst of spiritual. It's something that we do every day. We do it repeatedly. We entertain the presence of the Most High because that fire must be kept burning because atonement is always necessary. The fire has to be burning because it's still our only way into the presence of God. They would put that big burnt offering altar there. Right, it was the first thing. It was right there in the middle of everything. And to get into the inner court and the, and, and, and the rest of the tabernacle to approach God in any way, you had to pass through that outer court where the burnt offerings took place, where the fire lived. If you were going to touch heaven, if you had a need, if you were going to offer anything to God, if you were going to have any kind of communion with the almighty God, that holy God... You had to go through the fire. You had to have atonement. The atonement never became unnecessary. We never outgrow the atonement of God. There isn't a day that goes by when I don't need the mercy and the grace of God. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't need forgiveness for my sin. I believe that he did a finished work at Calvary. I believe I've been born again of the water and of the Spirit and that there's a day I can point back to where God turned my life around. But that doesn't, Excuse the fact that atonement is always, always necessary. It's still my only way into the presence of God. The fire is still my only ticket in. Thank God that somebody kept the fire burning. Thank God that when I was in my hour of need, Brother Turner, that someone had the fire burning. When I didn't have any fire to bring on my own. Somebody had that fire from heaven burning for my family. Somebody had that fire from heaven that I could get into the presence of God when I needed him most. No matter what... No matter, what pre- no matter what message is ever preached on any given Sunday. That's why you will always find me at an altar, in, in a prayer room, in the presence of God. Because it doesn't matter what the content of the particular message is. The fact remains the same. I need the fire. There's not going to be a day where I'm sitting somewhere and I'm not making a move towards one of these altars because you know what? I may not have something going on presently in my life, but I've gained a place. I've, I've gotten to a place in my life where I've recognized the truth of this message. I need the fire. I need the fire. I'm going to take every opportunity I have to touch the fire. Atonement's always necessary. There's not a day goes by, there's not a message that's preached that I don't need to respond in faith and say, God, that was for me. God, I need the fire. God, I need your forgiveness. I need to make another trip to that burnt altar. I need to touch the atonement again. I need to reconnect with you. Anything that's got between you and me, God, burn it away with your fire. I want to be holy. And with fear and trembling, we walk into that outer court where the fire lives. And we pray, we pray to God that somebody has kept the fire burning. The greatest act of kindness that you can do for somebody is to encourage them to draw near to God through the atoning blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You can tell them with gentleness, but you need to tell them atonement is necessary. I don't condemn you. I invite you. Come to the fire with me. I'm telling you tonight, it is the greatest act of kindness that you can give to somebody else to let them know that there has been a sacrifice for their sin and there is a fire that still yet burns. It's for that reason that the fire must always be burning. Because not only is atonement always necessary, but atonement must always be available. Atonement must always be available. Hebrews chapter 7 tells, gives us some New Testament theology for what Leviticus is talking to us about back in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 7 tells us, also there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. There had to be many different renditions of the priesthood. Because they were just mortals. Brother Joe, they they would die, and the next generation would take over. And so as a result in the Old Testament, there were many priests. But in the New Testament, we only have one priest. And he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also to save to the uttermost. Woo! To save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since he always, listen to this, since he always lives to make intercession for us. It speaks of our abiding need for the atonement. And we are reminded that Christ always lives to make intercession for us. I'm talking about the continual burning of fire on the altar. It means that the provision of the atonement must always be Available to people. No one should ever come to the sanctuary of the Lord and find that the fire is out. Try to approach God and find that the priests are not ready to serve them. Recognize, pause for a second. I'm not talking about this building. When I said sanctuary, you thought I was talking about this room. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me. No one should ever approach us and find that the fire is out. I'm not saying they're going to look to you for their salvation as though you are the one who can dispense the salvation. But they're going to look to you to see if there's any fire. And the fire has to be burning, brothers and sisters. Because atonement must always be available. This is the Old Testament way of showing us something about the New Testament, I think. This is the Old Testament way of talking about how the church in the New Testament is called to be a daily church. Not a Sunday church, not a Wednesday church, a daily church. Look at what Acts chapter 2 says. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily, everybody say daily. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I'm talking tonight about the fire. And I'm telling you that the fire of God, signs, wonders, and miracles belong to the daily church. That's what I see in Acts. You want to know my interpretation of what we just read in Acts chapter 2? There were signs, wonders, and miracles. But what kind of church does it belong to? It belongs to the daily church. It belongs to the church that says, you know what, I'm going to keep the fire in my home. I'm going to keep the fire in my daily life. I'm going to keep the fire burning 24-7, 365. I want to be that kind of church. I want to be a daily church. I want to be an on-fire church. I don't want anyone to ever approach me and me not have an answer for the hope that exists in me. I want people to look to me and say, I see something in you that maybe I can find an answer for what's going on in my life. Can you tell me about this fire that's in your life? I want it to happen on Monday. I want it to happen on Tuesday. and people on Thursday. I want to be baptizing and people getting the Holy Ghost on Saturday. I'm talking about the fire. I want miracles, signs, and wonders every day of the week. It says there's brotherly love and provision. It belongs to the daily church. It talks about gladness and joy in their heart. That belongs to the daily church that keeps the fire burning. It's talking about harvest and seeing loved ones added to the church. And can I tell you, that too belongs to the daily church. The church that says, you know what, we may not be having church service today, but I'm going to be the church today. I'm going to be the church every day of the week. I'm going to keep the fire kindled in my life today. Because, there's, hear me, there's just no telling. There's no telling who you're going to come into contact. I talked about it this morning a little bit about the field. There's things that happen out in the field that you would write up as an accident, but God has made it an appointment. And God has some appointments set up in our life. Maybe God even has an appointment this week. And you haven't even thought about it yet. And that's okay. You don't have to be all-knowing. But you haven't even thought about it yet. But God has an appointment made up for you. And you know what's going to make the difference? The fire. Is the fire going to be burning? There's someone that you're going to have an appointment with this month. (laughs) I hope the fire is burning. The fire has to be burning. They're going to need a miracle, a sign, a wonder done in their life. They're going to need a word of hope. They're going to need someone to say there's hope for your soul. There's salvation for your life. There's forgiveness for your sins. That's going to come from the fire. The fire. The message of Jesus must always be preached. Sometimes in church service. Most of the time in our lives. That's the fire. That's the fire. What Jesus say? Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus says, The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Does anyone want to kindle a fire tonight? Does anyone want to stoke a flame tonight as the musicians come? I want to keep the fire burning. I love seeing people come to the Lord. Brother Lord I, mean, I love seeing people come to Jesus I love seeing people come up out of that water and they've been cleaned of their sins and their sins are sent into remission. Brother Riley, I love seeing people speak in tongues with the evidence of of, of, of. Receiving the Holy Ghost for the very first time. There's nothing I enjoy more than that. But it comes. I love seeing people when they have a need. Brother Walker, we ministered tonight. And when there's a need and there's faith moving through the house. I love someone getting their miracle. And there being a wonder done in our midst. Some kind of gift of healing or a working of a miracle. I love doing that. And I love seeing that kind of thing. But it does not happen on accident. It happens because someone has made a decision. I'm going to keep the fire. I'm not going to let the fire go out. Let's keep the fire burning. The story goes that when God's people moved out of the wilderness, they'd been in the wilderness for a long time, Brother Turner. They had that tabernacle, that tent like structure out in the wilderness. God had given them the exact specifications for it. It's detailed for us in the book of Leviticus. And God had told them exactly how to build it. And they'd been marching around in that wilderness, Brother Brian, for 40 long years for an entire generation. And they had been conducting their interactions with God through that tabernacle. And through the means that we have talked about tonight. Where they would have that big altar of sacrifice. And they would take it and they would offer sacrifices. And there was a fire that came from heaven that they had to keep burning all the time, constantly, and it was a job, and they would do it 24-7, 365 days a year for 40 years, and there came a time when eventually, in their nation's history, they were ready to move away from the tent-like tabernacle structure, and they were ready to construct a temple. And Solomon's generation said, we are going to build this temple and it is going to be great and it's going to be according to every specification that God gives us. And Brother Joe, it says in the word of God in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 that when they had completed the construction of this temple, that they started like we do sometimes. They started to have a dedication service. No doubt they were happy about the structure. There was great joy and they were excited to dedicate it to the use and the sacred holy uses of worshiping God there in Jerusalem just like their ancestors of old had done in the wilderness tabernacle. In Solomon, verse 1 says, finished praying and fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord The glory of the Lord filled the temple. It's in that same chapter just a few verses later that God gives the word to Solomon that we quote often and we cling to. If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek by faith. I believe, listen to me, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but I believe that as God gave that promise to Solomon, there was a fire that was burning in that temple that God had sent down from heaven just earlier that day. And God came and spoke to the king and says, I have a word for you, Solomon, as long as that fire burns, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes, God gave them a promise, my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to prayer made in this place. What place? The place where the fire is kept. God made a promise to them. I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, That promise holds true today. If you'll cultivate a place where God's fire will dwell in your life, that is a place where God, his eyes will be open and his ears will be attentive to the prayer that is made in that place. Brother Dustin, how's it happen for us in the New Testament? I'm glad you asked. I want to explain it to you very quickly. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt literally means tabernacled. It tab- the word of God, the very plan, the essence of God, tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Somebody say his name. His name is Jesus. Let me give you a little further revelation right now. Jesus has given us the same witness of fire. This is going to fire somebody up right now, no pun intended. Jesus has given us the same witness of fire. The same witness of fire that you see in Leviticus chapter 6. The same witness of fire that you see in 2 Chronicles chapter (laughs) 7. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Where? From heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm here to tell you that the apostles understood something. They understood the fire of the Holy Ghost to be the very fire of God that was poured out to their spiritual ancestors. Oh, ho, ho, But no more. No more was it contained to a metal pit where they conducted sacrifices, but it lives in each one of you. Stand to your feet all over this place right now. Why do you think the Apostle Paul wrote what he wrote when he said, quench not the spirit. What do you think he was talking about? (laughs) I think he was talking about Leviticus chapter 6. I think he was saying, in essence, don't let the fire go out. Don't you dare let the fire go out. That fire that has come on you from heaven in the experience of God's spirit dwelling in your life, never let that fire the world God's fire is still falling today these altars are open right now if you need to rekindle some fire in your life I would that you would step out in faith right now and say I need the fire in my life I want to rekindle the fire in my life I want the fire to fall on my family come on somebody step out in faith for that spouse that needs the fire come on somebody get up around one of these altars and say I've got a loved one that needs the fire I need the light of the world burning in me. I need something burning in me that says, God's done something in my life and I'm going to keep the fire burning. Come on, will someone say, let's keep the fire burning. Let's keep the fire burning. I'm going to keep the fire burning.